This episode of Nerd Cognito is brought to you by The Red Room. Hey, you've heard us review their products before, and we thought that they were generally great. In fact, Bert, I don't think we've had a lot of negative things to say about anything from the Wretchedverse, right? No, not so far. No, but the Red Room has stepped up and gone ahead and sponsored Nerd Cognito. And, you know, they've had some tumultuous times. They were officially banned, kicked off of Drive Through RPG. So part of picking up the pieces is they unlocked a lot of cool stuff on their website, which is the Red Room, but backwards, M-O-O-R-D-E-R-E-H-T.com. Uh, we encourage everybody to go there and check out all of their really spectacular properties again it's the red room backwards.com m-o-o-r-d-e-r-e-h-t.com and you can pick up their properties direct from them hey they support us you should support them and in supporting an independent publisher that got a raw deal you'll be able to put some really quality systems on your table check out everything in the Wretchedverse, and more. Now, on with the show. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to yet another episode of Nerd Cognito. Another week has gone by. My name is Ryan David. I'm so glad you joined us. And joining me, as always, is Bert. Hey, Bert. Hey, Ryan, how's it going this week? I, I don't know. It seems like we just sat down a week ago and the week was a blur. I, I've got I've got no excuses. Um, I wasn't exceptionally productive. I wasn't busy. I wasn't on vacation. I wasn't banging loads of supermodels. It's just I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know where the week went. It's it's gone. Um, how was your week? Oh, it's pretty slow for me, too. I mean, it seems like I didn't get a lot accomplished. I mean, some stuff around the house and things, but it doesn't seem like uh, anything earth-shattering happened this week. Just time kind of passed by. Yeah, it's time passed. It was fast for me, slow for you, but nonetheless, here we are. Another, another week has gone by, and this week, well... Um, <laughs> we were ahead of the curve last week, as always, weren't we? Um the the whole hobby is up in a tizzy over death in <laughs> tabletop role playing games. Uh, we talked about it when our friend uh, Immortal Rising dropped in for the show, and uh, we were sort of riding the front end of the wave, or shall I say, tsunami. Because a lot of folks have chimed in. Not just the folks that you would normally expect, but some really large names in the hobby have, have made some pretty interesting statements. And, uh, well, the battle continues. Should you kill a character? <laughs> I mean, it, it's silly, Bert. It's a game about, at its core, war, combat, and strife. People are going to die. <laughs> I mean, and the thing is, you know, if you're playing, even in a fantasy world, I mean, consequences have actions. You can't just, you know, every world that's developed, there's some kind of basis around consequences, right? Uh, I, you would think so. But the the segment that you would expect 
does not want death. We know they don't want combat. They don't even want strife in their game. And there were some outrageous statements made this week. Some of them, just looking at, and I'm certainly not going to direct traffic to that ridiculousness, but uh, one rather prominent person that's way bigger than we are, right, Uh, went so far to pander to the Sparkle Trolls and say that not only are people invested in their characters, but they're invested so much that if you intentionally seek to smite their character, you're committing a hate crime. Somebody better call someone because they're going to need a massage therapist and a yoga instructor because that's one hell of a stretch. Well, and, you know, I can see being angry if someone is seeking to, you know, just destroy somebody's character for the hell of it. But, you know, if a character dies because of actions they took or they got in over their head, I mean, that kind of thing happens. It's not like you set out to, you're like, you're not like, oh, okay, hand of God reaches down and smashes you flat on the map. I've done that. I've done that, but with reason, right? There was character action, either cumulative or just stupid boneheaded stuff, and, and it does happen. But uh, even, I've we've played in groups for a long time with a lot of different people over the years, right? Oh, sure, absolutely. Well, there are not always level heads and folks that are nodding in agreement, even at a table, I I once experienced, and it was with my most favorite character, a guy that had a personal axe to grind with me outside of the game, and he made it his entire quest in the game to kill my character, (laughs) and and he succeeded. And you know what? It happened. I didn't think that I was the victim of a hate crime. I didn't feel targeted. I didn't call the police. I didn't call my therapist. I reached for 46 and rolled up another character. (laughs) So it's weird. I don't really want to rehash it, but I do do think it's funny that um, I guess we had a nose for it, right? We we saw it coming. It's strange. You know, we talk about a subject and then it becomes really huge for some reason. And that's yeah, why aren't we really weird, huge? <laughs> yeah, it's just a weird coincidence. It's obviously, you know, character death time for oh, discussion. You know? Jeez, can't we just get back to something like, you know, I don't know, orcs or black people or something. I mean, at least, at least it's a little less polarizing than taking away a core mechanic of the game. So... Ay, 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 ay. Uh, this week we have a, a, a rather uh, potpourri week here at Nerd Cognito. We're going to open up and uh, talk about all of the different ways. Because, you know, we look at a bunch of different systems. We play a bunch of different systems. Right, uh, we do. And one thing that is a commonality but with many paths to achieve the end goal is advancing your character. So we're going to talk about all of the different ways that character advancement plays out in the hobby, right? Yeah, I mean, I could sit here and off the top of my head probably rattle off four or five without really putting a lot of thought into it. Yeah, me too. I mean, I've played in 
Yeah, leveling leveling characters and and advancing characters. I've done you know a dozen different systems, so there's a lot of differences between from one to the next. Yeah, and, and even within a similar mechanic, like look at XP. There's tons of different ways to award and gain XP too. So sure, uh, we're we're gonna look at a, a top down sort of high level view of character advancement just just to to shoot the shit around. Uh, we have on the flip side of the news, we got the opportunity to take a look at uh, a really, really interesting product. Uh, did you do your homework, Bert? I did. I read the, <laughs> I read the setting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to look at Braunhaven. It's a campaign setting that's designed to be popped in and used in OSE, Old School Essentials. Uh, it's uh, designed by Chris Wilson, who is a friend of the ladies on Twitter, uh, believe it or not. So uh, we're going to give our thoughts on it. You know, we we, we don't hold back. No, we do not. <laughs> um, we're going to dig into it and talk about all of the nuances that we saw as we read through Brawnhaven. You know, I always want to call it Broomhaven. And, no, it's and not I Broomhaven. I'm going to say Broomhaven at some point, but it is Brawnhaven. We'll talk about that on the flip side of the news. But first, let's dig into some character advancement. Well, we we alluded to it, right? Right, right. absolutely. Um, you, do you want to you want to play the clock game? The clock game? Yeah, well, a version of the clock game, right? Okay. Uh, let's let's see. I'm gonna put up a timer. And I want to see in 15 seconds how many different methods or philosophies of either leveling or character advancement that you can rattle off. Sound like fun? Sure. Let's go for it. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Go. Gold for experience. Uh, experience point advancement. Milestone advancement. Chapter advancement. Uh, failure advancement. Uh, let's see. Half leveling. Uh, wow, those are all the major ones I can come up with off all the top right. of my head. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, I mean, you, you definitely hit a bunch of them. And some of them, I think, are, you know, stronger than others. But the point of creating this fun little avatar that runs around in our elf game is all about enjoying the journey at least for me right and and right. i i assume that most sane players you know that excludes a particular segment but most sane players are also enjoying the hero's journey uh, is it a fair statement you would certainly hope so i mean winning isn't the goal getting there is right right and um there's lots of different mechanics and exposition that can take place in how your character progresses from one stage and, and many times if you're old grognards like us you like to roll it all the way back to literally the infancy of that character not them as an infant but we're going you know level one i've played right. in campaigns where you're a freaking level zero commoner <laughs> <laughs> And, and, and rolled forward um, all the way through becoming 
a demigod, right? Sure, epic level characters and characters that are beyond human human limits. You know that happens too. So let, let's talk about the the big old workhorse, and that is the experience point. How do you feel sure. about experience points now? And also, how did you feel about experience points then? And then being your first year of gaming. So, I mean, back then, the experience point system was kind of what we were used to. Uh, you know, I, I uh, got into tabletop gaming after finding my love for JRPGs. So a lot of those had that experience point system. You got to a certain point, your character advanced, you got better. So it was something that I was comfortable with, used to. I didn't know there was, you know, any other way to do it. So I kind of jumped in with both feet, tracked all my experience points for every monster I killed and every, you know, puzzle I overcame. And, you know, once I hit a certain point level, you know, I would level up. Ta-da! Hooray! No, I agree. And I I think that, see, I, I have a little bit of a split personality on this one. Uh, when I started playing way back when, uh, the experience point system, like you said, it made sense, right? I did something, right. I was rewarded for it. I killed a monster, I was rewarded. I solved a puzzle, disarmed a trap. There was a reward. I made the DM laugh. There was a reward, right? Um, I, I said, well, this is great. And then I went and became a dungeon master at a very young age. And all of that love for XP for everything went out the window. Because when I was that age, much like today, <laughs> I was very lazy. <laughs> and it was maddening for me to track individual XP and on the micro level that the DM that I learned under did and i was was lost i was on a life raft in the middle of this xp ocean and there was not a landmass in sight right i mean i'll tell you now it's not my favorite it's not my favorite system no today. no no and you, you know, know but then it was all i had played with and all i had known right. and my young preteen mind couldn't wrap itself around the concept of, hey, let's do something different. And, and you know, th there was no <laughs> internet then. There were no message boards. It was, who, who could I go to for advice? Well, I could go to that DM. Or I could go to my friendly local gaming store that had a bunch of, at that time, old grognards that would look at me like I was insane for thinking about touching the precious XP system. Uh, also, you know, XP for everything, not my bag today. Uh, today, uh, tell me how you feel. Well, I mean, right, you know, as a, like you, I've run a lot of games now. I've got, you know, years and decades of gaming under my belt. The XP system can be really tricky because if you're tracking it individually rather than doing like, party division XP for like your players as a whole, then you wind up with characters that are 
you know, quicker to think of an idea or quicker to attack, leveling up faster than characters who are trying to find their way. And so you wind up with, uh, you know, a party disparity where you've got some people who are higher level and some people who are lower level. And it makes things a lot more challenging for you as the DM to keep the challenges fair and things yeah, like but that. So I'm on the it, other yeah. side. Like, I agree with you. Uh, if I'm going to do individual XP now, everyone's tracking their own. And I'm going to have like tiered rewards, right? That that I'm gonna that I'm gonna hand out to those folks. But I don't I don't mind in the right setting with the right group having that disparity because that's life, right? I, I don't have Elon Musk money. I'm lucky I have bus fare. So um, hmm. Right, but as a as a DM, it's a lot easier for me running a game. If everybody's like, I mean, a level or two is one thing, but if you get too far out of whack, then the overpowered characters don't find anything challenging and the underpowered characters face death at every turn. So it makes things a lot more annoying for me running the game if they're not. Ah, That's when you run them through a character funnel and and whoever survives, survives, (laughs) right? Uh, you know, the last time I did a everybody does individual XP, uh, I had XP rewards on index cards. And if the group, you know, defeated a monster on the back of that monster's index card in my prep would be the XP. I just put it on the table. They keep it on their sheet. They forget it. They forgot it. Oops. Uh, and then I would have little other individual XP awards that I would hand out as index cards too. But I didn't track anything. Um, it worked well, but you, again, you got to have the right group. You get the wrong player, and right. oh no, I got five thousand XP from that. You know, so and that's not exclusive to any segment of the hobby. There's, you know, not at all. I I, I do dump on on the sparkly ones often, but there are shit players in all segments of the hobby. So, <laughs> Right. I mean, there's always going to be that guy who's going to fudge his stats or fudge his rolls or fudge right. his XP, you know, and, and so you have to, you know, be able to work around. So that. I, d- I don't hate it. It's not going to be my first choice nowadays. Me. And, and unless me it is designed inherently to be a part of the system. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, paint outside the lines if a specific system really heavily leans into it, right? I'm not there to redesign the system. If I'm going to do that, I've got my own system that I'm struggling with character advancement right now as we speak. (laughs) So, Um, all right. Outside of the big XP, what would be your preferred method of advancing a character so i've got two that i really like when i'm running a game and it depends on the game i'm running because so milestone chapter advancement is great if you're running a campaign because you know once the party you know you design the difficulty level up to a certain point when they reach a milestone whether it's defeating a bbeg or overcoming a challenge or whatever you set it to be once they reach that point, everybody levels up. And so it keeps the story moving. Um, and it, it uh, I, I find that to be really helpful when I'm running a game. Easy and convenient to keep track of as right. a DM. 
The other one that I really love is the failure piecemeal really? advancement. You like love failure it. advancement. Um, let me give you an well, example. Tell everybody um, what it is. Because, like, I, <clears throat> I don't want to insult the, in, the audience's intelligence, but that is one that is unique to probably two or three systems specifically. Uh, of course, you could pop it in anywhere, but uh, right. give them the the dime store definition. So, best example I, I have of a failure advancement is an unknown. Okay, life. that's that, and that was the system I was thinking of. Excellent choice. That game is all about the skills. Well, if you fail and get because it's all based sure. around percentages, so if you fail and get a matching number, you can automatically add one point to that skill. If you succeed and get a matching number, you can you can add one to the add one to that skill, and so I love that because it gives characters the opportunity to either you know learn by doing successfully or it, the character learns by failing. So just because they're using a skill they're not particularly good at, that skill can right. get better if their if their character is willing to rely on it. So. It, it here here's my thing. Failure advancement works in that you're never going to have a cookie cutter character, right? And you have right. to be dedicated to the advancement. So so nothing. There's no archetype with with failure advancement. I appreciate that. Um, right. I mean, the, the skills that your character relies on can get better over time, and so it, it gives you a chance to have some. It gives players some sort of agency on what their characters get better at. Here's my along. problem with it, and uh, I might get some shit for this, but I think that it spreads characters too thin. And I know, Ryan, you hate min-maxing. <laughs> I do, I do. I like logical optimization, though. And <laughs> uh, do you see where I'm going? Which is what min-maxers call min-maxing when they're pretending that it doesn't no, no, apply no, to no, them. No, 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 no. You know where I'm going with this, right, Bert? It can absolutely derail a character concept. And and that's 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 my biggest issue with, the, with failure advancement, right? <laughs> you fail upwards, but you might fail upwards outside of your lane. And... To an extent, you know, it ain't improv as much as the theater kids want to think that it is. You're still fulfilling a role and a need for a party. Right, but the, the uh, you know, ultimately the hopeful outcome of failing upwards is that if you're trying to fill a role in your, in your party, that you're using the skills that fill that role. So when you fail at them or succeed at them, you're advancing those skills. Fair. If your character's not, if your character's not a cleric and you're not healing <laughs> and you, you never heal anybody in the entire game, then why would you expect your healing to get no, better? And you wouldn't expect your healing to get better. But if out of necessity, you are through poor game design on the DM and the responsibility does lie partially at the, at the DM level with this too. Sure. You are breaking your character's concept, if that makes sense, right? Necessity can alter the character, which is good in any game. But if it breaks the character's overall, uh, here we use the term, agency, 
then eh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't disagree with you on Milestone. I'm not a fan of, of failure advancement. I like I like XP for gold. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Um, okay. Running an effective economy in any campaign, and again, we're talking a campaign, not not a six-session D&D buzz, right? Right, right. You're talking something Requires a lot of work. A lot of work. Because you do have to factor in all of the pushing and pulling factors that would be inherent in an economy. Um, you know, I'm not a fan of, of magic weapons being in that economy. It just doesn't make sense to me. Um, anyone who's played in my games knows <laughs> uh, magic items are very special. I don't want to say that they're rare, but they're incredibly special, and you're not going to walk into the... Yeah, give me that uh, plus seven Vorpal sword in the shop. You know, you have to find a way to balance it. And now, a good balance is key. And to have a successful economy that makes logical sense is just, again, it's. I'm not calling it lazy. I'm calling it saying no to that concept so that I, as a DM, can invest time in what I think are more meaningful things. We don't want an economic simulation. We want to go kill dragons and get their horde. <laughs> and XP for, for gold allows you to progress and move forward. You're adventurers. You're heroes. You are not common folk. So common currency is kind of irrelevant for you. Let's let's face it, if if you're an adventurer, even a level one adventurer, and you successfully do whatever for the Baron in an economy in a traditional fantasy setting, you're set for life with one quest. <laughs> so gold doesn't have the meaning. The reward for players is the advancement. It, it, you know, fake money. Come on. Fake money ain't going to buy me a donut, and I want to buy a donut. I'm a big fat guy. That's not news to anybody. I like donuts. Oh, Ryan, you caught me before I could pull the oh, third one. Oh, go on ahead. You. Pull your third one. So, favorite, least favorite, what's the weirdest one that you've ever done? Uh, um, I ran a player... And this was a long, 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 long time ago uh, with a DM. Okay. And you know, you know, it was a long time ago because I was a PC. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's true. And he just did arbitrary advancement whenever he felt like it with no rhyme or reason. I don't know. I don't know oh, if it's weird, true. but it was it was disconcerting and, you know, no shock. The girl that was slobbing his knob was two levels ahead of everybody else. <laughs> so, okay. what's your weird one? Then we'll jump into this atrocious news. We, we don't have a ton of news this week. It's fine. Stars Without Number was a new system to me. The personal milestone where you have to actually set a goal I, and achieve it to I advance like that your character a lot. was a really interesting, like, it's not a mechanic I've seen anywhere else normally it's like group milestones but in this one it's like set a goal achieve the goal get some experience points use that to level up your no, I, I i do like that a lot uh everything without number is well thought out 
and it's different enough to be innovative and new and feel new. You know what I mean? Right. So, so I, I, I absolutely agree with you. Hey, before we get into the news, I want to give a shout out to a good friend of the show. Uh, Dying Breed uh, is now officially a published author, Bert. Um, oh, you, really? Yeah. He has a submission that was uh, printed and accepted in a little OSR zine that you might have heard about called Flipping and Turning. It's in issue 11. Uh, check it out. Flipping and Turning. All you got to do is... Do a little Googling and uh, download issue 11. And uh, congratulations, Dying Breed. Uh, big kudos, big ups. You're officially a published author. So it's it's a good feeling, and we got to celebrate little things. Uh, this week in the news. Well. What's in the news this week, Ryan? I only got three this week, right? It's, okay, not terrible. And, and they're all kind of fun. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> I like the news this week. <laughs> um, did you see the new Little Caesars pizza? No, I did not. Oh, Bert. Oh, Bert. Oh, Bert. I am going to send you a picture in the chat. This is not, I repeat, not an April Fool's joke, at least not as of yet. Um, okay. Little Caesars has introduced what you see now. Is this Japan? This is Little Caesars in the U.S. of A. No. It is the corn cob pizza. All right. Now, if if you haven't seen this yet, let me paint a picture in your mind. A delicious pizza pie. With wonderful marinara, as wonderful as Little Caesars gets, right? Right. Uh, We're not talking Little Caesars 1988, because that was some good shit. We're talking Little Caesars today, the hot and ready. (laughs) You know, topped with some melty cheese. And corn kernels. All right, I'm going to pause there. Strange. But not entirely disgusting. No, no. So uh, corn kernels is a topping. Here's where it gets strange. The pizza is surrounded by corn cobs where the crust would be. So where you would pick up the edge of the pie, it's a half of a, of a corn cob. Or maybe it's a whole corn cob. I, I I don't know. There's a couple of different production photos. I can't tell. But it's definitely, it looks like a whole corn cob. (laughs) And when you get this pizza, it is allegedly going to be served with a two liter of liquefied butter. Oh, this has to be an April Fool's Day joke. I mean, it can't be, it can't be real. I know corn is a popular pizza topping as overseas, but. You know, a corn cob pizza with with clarified butter sauce like <laughs> on the side is absolutely ridiculous. This has to be a joke, right? Quote, after years of begging, we're finally giving it to you. The crust the world craves is coming soon. Um, now, it, this was announced way prior to April Fool's. Now, when this drops, when this episode drops, it will be post-April Fool's. And we apologize 
in advance if it's already been, you know, debunked as an April Fool's joke. But right now, everyone is tight-lipped on anything related to jokes, and it looks to be very legitimate. They have a promotional video that is on their Twitter page as well as YouTube. I don't know, Bert. Would you wow, eat it? That, would you eat it? I mean, uh, it wouldn't be my first choice. They could, they could bring back the pretzel crust and I'd be happier. <laughs> I just want them to bring back pizza pizza. Like I said, in <laughs> 1988, they, there was a different level of taste, and I don't know if it was because I was a youngin. I, I just remember it not being fast food pizza, right? And now right, it's I fast mean, food pizza. Yeah, I mean, the, when, when we were kids, you know, they had the pizza pizza promo. You would get like two pizzas in a paper sleeve instead of in a car, on a tray instead of in a cardboard box. You know, I grew up, we didn't have a lot when I was a kid. So that was a treat for us to go out and get the pizza pizza special. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. Little Caesars released the promo stuff for this on March 20th and uh, has been ominously quiet on their Twitter since their last tweet was on March 24th. It was a generic ad tweet for, for some of their products. Um, uh, yeah. Th- I mean, this is, that's a long time to sit quiet on an April fool's joke. Yep. Especially for a company. Yep. 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 So we'll see. We'll see if it's real. And you want to see us eat it on air, email us at nerdcognitopodcast at gmail.com. We'll piggyback on one of the friends of the show that has a Twitter, or excuse me, a YouTube stream. And uh, for the rights, we'll say persuasion, because bills are coming due, Bert. Um, <laughs> no, no joke. Podcast bills are coming due. You know, we talked about the Sparkle Troll t-shirt coming. Um, we did. Uh, we can be persuaded, if this is real, to do a live first tasting review <laughs> on, yeah, one, game. on one of I'm, our friends' uh, YouTube channels. So, you, you know, I you know I'm willing to try anything once, but I just, <sighs> ah, see, look, I'm more open minded than you. I mean, look at my dating history. I'll eat anything twice. So, oh, Ryan, uh, no. <laughs> Oh, no, 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 no. My my dating history <laughs> pales in comparison to what's coming. So let's talk about something interesting first, Bert. What's that, Ryan? Well, you know, we've had an anonymous checkmark hero for the past two months. They chose to remain anonymous. That's fine. You know, I get it. Uh, they weren't going to get any action from their, their 5e nerd lady. If, if if we were mentioning their Twitter account. Uh, but new month, and we have ourselves a new... Checkmark Hero. Hey, Sinna, what's up? Sin, our friend on the Twitter machine. You can follow them at Cinnamander, C-Y-N-N-A-M-A-N-D-E-R. I know he's a longtime listener to the show, uh, and we are proud that he stepped up and said, Hey! I want to be the April checkmark hero. Yeah, f- funny thing, Bert. We have our checkmark heroes booked through October of this year. So well, that's great. Yeah. Welcome, Sin, and yeah. uh, we appreciate you. No, we certainly do. It's 
a silly little thing that's uh that we came up with and we said yeah no one's gonna do this who wants who wants to sponsor the check mark and uh, it, it really does humble us that you think enough of us to toss us eight dollars and uh, get that mention on Nerd Cognito. You know, the esteemed Nerd Cognito. <laughs> um, but definitely give Cinemander a follow at Cinemander C Y N N A M A N D E R on the Twitter machine. Uh, if you want to be the next Checkmark Hero, well. Uh, I wish I could say we make it easy for you, but we don't. <laughs> Sometimes the ladies remember to to tweet out the link, but uh, if you really want to be a checkmark hero, let, let's book the rest of the year. Fuck it. Let's, let's just get 2023 booked. Um, follow the ladies at NerdCognito and uh, shoot them a message if you can't find a checkmark hero post, and they will get you the link so that you can shoot some PayPal dollars and get your name on the books for 2023. All right. All right. Now we'll talk about sexual weirdness, Bert. <laughs> okay. Um, we talked about the Studio Ghibli theme park. Right. All right. You know, Beloved Studio, Miyazaki. Uh, they have all this stuff. They've got these these characters and these sculptures, and it's it's a little quaint park in rural Japan that's a step into Ghibli world. Well, right, yeah, we we looked at the pictures before. It was really interesting. They had all kinds of oddness. I mean, it's not what we would think of as a theme park, but it's uh, you know an interesting space, and it's a nice little homage to Ghibli. A large amount of Japanese men have okay. been taking photographs and posting them online of them groping and upskirting the anime statues in the theme park. Oh, why? <laughs> to, the, to the point where a Japanese minister, the prefecture's minister, had to make a statement on it. There's... They're... There's statues and constructions. What is the, you know, what is the interest there? I, look, I am a fan of most of Japanese culture. It's very unique. It's very expressive. Um, but part of that uniqueness is also a little bit of what we would call sexual weirdness. I, I and again, is it a stereotype? Maybe, but stereotypes are often rooted in truth, and you know there are some just like here. There, there's sexual weirdness in the states. I'm not saying it's just in Japan, but this. When I first saw these pictures, I was like, "Of course they're doing this in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> of course they are." Uh, the governor of the prefecture. <laughs> made the following statement quote Ghibli Park is a place for adults and children alike to enter and enjoy the works and it is extremely unpleasant oh, I should be doing this with the accent no do not do it with the accent <sighs> to see such photos uploaded on social networking sites if that's what they're going to do then I don't want them to come anymore and he compared uh... he went on to <laughs> I didn't even go there, Bert. He went on to compare the behavior to the destruction of property. 
uh, in the photos, masked men are groping uh, all sorts of figures from the from the various Ghibli properties. Um, people are not happy, and and the outrage spans even beyond Japan. You know, Ghibli is kind of a a very very well thought of, well respected studio, and right. their, their their works are considered to be film animation masterpieces. So uh, it's interesting. Uh, I will follow up and in the chat yeah. and send you just one of the the little photographs in question. Uh, no, I mean, yeah. yeah, you know, I'm not one to kink shame. You know, hey, if, if you like something, you like something, but keep it out of where the kids are. There's going to be firm and strict action. Against people who misbehave, without specifying what action might be. So, yeah, don't grope statues, people. Although, although, you know, one of the great folk traditions in a town that otherwise has nothing, Point Pleasant, West Virginia. You remember what they're famous for? No, I don't. Mothman. Right, they have the Mothman oh, yeah. Museum, okay. and they've got the statue of Mothman in the middle of town. One of the great traditions is to go to the statue of Mothman and smack his ass. <laughs> I did not know that. I'm just saying, you got to give him a little, little love tap. Uh, this is, this is a little bit more than just you know playfully smacking an ass, though. This is, this is a grown adult taking an upskirt photo of a statue. Of a statue. Right. Uh, well, it was good to know that Ghibli Park existed for almost a year. <laughs> <laughs> you think this will be the end of it? No, no, no. I don't think they'll close it down. I just, I think that it's not going to be as freeform as it was, which is counterintuitive to the, the design of the park, right? right. And, and again, when you said it, we talked about it in the segment Whenever we talked about it in the past, what was it six, nine months ago, something like that? Something like that. Um, yeah, it's it, when theme park, as we think of theme park, is not what it is. It is a open air natural space where they preserved a lot of the natural environment and have different, we'll call them exhibitions that are themed in in Ghibli stuff, right? Right. Right. And those exhibitions are being groped. So. Yeah, I mean, it's almost what you would consider, like, if you've ever been to, like, an open-air art exhibit in the States. Or, or it, picture your state park with a couple of themed areas. There you go. That's a good, that's yeah. fair, too. Yeah. So, we'll see. We'll see. It's one of the places I wanted to go on my next trip to Japan, but... Um, if now if I went I would have to grope a statue and take a picture just to be an a-hole <laughs> I, I'll tell you what if I went I would not <laughs> I, would, I would take some pictures because it's pretty cool but there would be no statue groping and and even the the statue groping like that could be the haha the upskirt is the one where I'm like eh, really really okay anyway um and I like upskirts you know that's <laughs> what lives upskirts is my favorite part of the female and that anyway. Um, last but not least, the spectacular third season of Star Trek Picard. Bert, it's so good. 
I know, yeah. you know, I'm I'm branded as that new Trek guy. Right. right. And whereas I'm the old Trek guy because I've seen everything up to like Paramount Plus. And that's why I'm saying it's so good. It is the next generation in the modern age. It, it, it is so good. There are new characters. And, of course, we talked about Captain Liam Shaw in the past. Right. The meme guy. <laughs> well, I loved him. And now that love is rubbing off. Look, look at that, Bert. I might have inspired some infectious disease in the Trekdom. You know, season three of of Picard has been described in a lot of places that were very down on most new Trek as, and I'm not exaggerating. These are all words directly from various opinion pieces and reviews. A miracle, what new Trek needs to be. And it's a shame they wasted two seasons of Patrick Stewart the way they did when they could have done something as spectacular as this. Those are all those are all Ooh. direct quotes, right? Interesting. Um, but one thing that everybody loves is Captain Liam Shaw, the captain of the USS Titan, the mean guy, as you say. Uh, the more the season goes, we're about halfway through now. Uh, the more fleshed out and developed his characters and. He's being called the captain that Star Trek needs right now. There's already calls for continuation spinoff series to follow Captain Shaw at, at the conclusion of whatever happens, which, of course, means they're going to kill him, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, if people want to see more of him, then he's probably going away. Spectacular new character and uh, spectacular portrayal by uh, Stashwick, Todd Stashwick. You remember 12 Monkeys? I do. Yeah, that's the guy. That's the guy. So Now, I have to ask, and, and if you can do it without spoilers, even better. I, I will what try. Is, what is it that you love so much about this character? He is just no bullshit, right? He is a okay. no bullshit prick captain that wants to do his job and get on with business. And that's how he's presented it first. And as the season goes on, again, spoiler-free, you learn things about his development and see aspects of great traditional Trek captains. And you also see why the no-bullshit prickdom gets put up almost as a turtle shell. So he he is an onion of a character. There are so many layers that they can go in. He's a great foil for Patrick Stewart. He's a great foil for Frakes. Because for all intents and purposes, they are, to to an extent, even character-breaking in how cowboyish they are. You know, Picard was never the cowboy, right? No, I mean, he was he would stand up, you know, against something that he didn't believe was right. He would, you know, there were times that, you know, prime directive got broken or, you know, orders weren't followed, but he always had a reason for what he did. He he wasn't just a cowboy. Right. Right. He is fucking yeehaw this season. Let me tell you. And, and Shaw is what brings it back into balance. It's a great, great character 
Is it too much to... I'm I'm trying to... There's something from this week's episode that I want to say, but it is this week's episode. Like, if it were the first episode or the second episode, I would have said it. But just because people are still uh, digesting this week's episode, I'm not going to say it, but it it is definitely good. I've said it before. Even if you hate New Trek, even if you haven't seen anything, you don't need to. You can jump in right here and miss nothing. Of course, I would encourage you to watch them. Some of you would argue that you're that I'm telling you to suffer through them. But if you look at it for what it is, which is a modern science fiction show, and watch it as a modern science fiction show, uh, Picard's not that bad. Season one, season two, not that bad. Season three... It might as well be the next season of the next generation. It, it's yeah, it's that good. And I mean, you, you have to think, you know, it's unusual now because everybody, you know, all the shows get canceled as soon as they don't go crazy. But it wasn't unusual, you know, for shows to take a season or two to hit their stride. Oh, um, you know, when we look when back in, you know, the time frame that we grew up when you were, had a sci fi show. Often the first season or the first half of the first season was always sort of clunky and trying to find its way. Every once in a while, I'll pop in to our good friend Victor Gorchev's stream, The Dutch Oven, and I am unfortunately the new Trek whipping boy there. And uh, I remind those guys often that Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager... They all sucked for the most part for the first two seasons or more. The original series being the exception, and they were still finding the whole formula. Right. So if we we can leave out the original series. Um, Next Gen first season, not great. Not great. There Were there moments? Yeah, there were moments. But we're willing to give that pass to the stuff that we think fondly of because... We have 25, 30 years for it to sort of stew in our brains and become a positive memory. Um, folks that are seeing Picard now will also have those 25 or 30 years, and they'll say, you know, Picard wasn't that bad back in the... You know. <laughs> so if we look at it with those things... I mean, come on. Crusher was fucking ghosts, right? <laughs> Crusher was fucking ghost. Uh, uh, Luxana Troy. I don't even need to say anything other than the character's name. Luxana Troy. Terrible. <laughs> uh, there, there were bad things in Trek. And that goes along with Star Trek. That's part of the charm, right? You could watch a terrible episode of Star Trek and know that, well, you know, it's fucking Star Trek, right? Some people would say terrible movies. I like Star Trek V. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not helping myself here am i no no i mean everybody likes what they like man not gonna shame you for liking that movie i think it's personally i i think it will never be a star trek 3 but you know i'll watch star trek 5 i have no problems sitting down and watching it but it's certainly i'll watch it yeah. for what it is which is cheap sci-fi right that's that's what it is they're not all gonna be ricardo montalban no, that's true. And I love Ricardo Maltabon. And as I profess my love for a dead Spaniard, 
I'm going to say that's the news. He wasn't a Spaniard. He was a Mexican. Um, he was a good-looking man back in the day. Uh, <laughs> I always, every time I think of him, you know, for some reason, the first thing that comes to mind is in Khan. It's smiles, uh, everyone smiles. It's Fantasy Island. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, we're, we're watching Fantasy Island because most new TV does suck, and uh, we Have were. Have you seen the new Fantasy Island? No, not no, no desire, no Ricardo. But I will watch the old Fantasy Island. It's funny. The last episode of the old Fantasy Island that we watched, because we're crazy and we are watching it episode by episode, (laughs) actually had a very young Jonathan Frakes in it. I'm sitting there watching it, and I'm like, is that Frakes? (laughs) Damn. (laughs) It's Frakes in his baby face. But no, it it sure was. He was the love interest of the woman that was there to... uh, have her fantasy. So, yeah, I mean, old Fantasy Island for sure. I'd still take new Fantasy Island over that horror movie fiasco from a few years ago. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> the boss just came downstairs and and she heard us and she just she just mouthed to me, "Fantasy Island." <laughs> yes, exactly. I was telling them how Frakes was in the last episode that we watched, and he was a good-looking man back in the... I mean, he's still a good-looking man. Yeah, so is Ricardo Montalban. See, so is Ricardo Montalban. I don't know if you heard her, but... (laughs) I'm going to have to jack the audio up on that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, last but not least, uh, friend of the ladies on Twitter, Chris Wilson, uh, said, hey, if you guys have a chance... I would appreciate it if you could for if you could take a peek at my campaign setting for OSE. And they said, well, you know, no promises. They said the same thing that they say to everybody, you know. Email if you have a digital copy and if you have a print copy in your email, ask for the address and 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 get us a print copy. Uh, and he did that and uh Bronhaven, not Broomhaven. Bronhaven. Right. Bronhaven. Bronhaven. Uh, the campaign setting. It's a player's guide and lore book designed for use with old school essentials. Um, what do you think, Bert? It, it really is a plug and play experience. I don't want to say it's a module because it's not a module, right? Right. No, no. The module, like, it's literally like. It is a a history, right? Yeah, Yeah. it's It's a history and a guide for if you want to run an OSE campaign in this world. Period. End of statement. End of product. Right. (laughs) Right. I mean, it's basically a plug-in town. It's got you know history and a timeline and characters and features of the town and and all those little things that as a as a DM. You would have, you might have to make up from your, yourself or try to glean from a module. This is more like, it almost feels like, um, you ever go somewhere and they're like, you stop and they're like, oh, here's some historical points of interest of our town and some local, you know, some local things to see. This is what that feels yeah, like. Yeah. You, you know, those, those blue signs like along some of the old scenic roads that, you know, you're driving by this dam and then there's, there's two paragraphs of text. Um, it, it reminded me of that only for a, a grander scale, right? Right. It's like, welcome to our town. Here's all you need to know. Like it, it's, it's interesting. It takes a lot of the legwork out if you need a good plug and play scenario. Um, right. 
I mean, if you've got characters that are interested in lore and history and backstory, this gives you, you know, something to use where you don't have to, you know, sit down and write a novel to have a tabletop game. Right. And it expands on some lore specific to some of the races that are in OSE, which, I mean, we know. Right. <laughs> the races in OSE. Some of the races in the game. <laughs> and um, it, it gives you points of interest, little towns, uh, little breakouts. But again, it feels and looks like a module, but it's not a module. It's it's a reference manual for the setting. I think that's fair. Right. And I, I think that, I mean, I think that's accurate too. It almost reminds me of like, um, like an almanac. Hell, it goes into flora and fauna that you can find that's specific to that region. Right. Right, so it's it's almost like it's a great reference material, but it's not a module on its own. This isn't, you know, it doesn't have a story there for you to, you know, sort of run your characters through. Right, handful of monsters, handful of stats. There's an interesting section on uh, deities and demigods and how you could possibly even maneuver a character into one of those categories. Uh, it's very comprehensive. I, I think that Chris did an excellent job in providing sort of that almanac feel. One of the things I brought up was I like the fact that he mentions like feast days and holy days and festival days, because, you know, it, it really gives you a chance to, you know, if you're, if you have characters in that world, you know, if you're a cleric of this religion, well then what are your holy days? Oh, well, the feast of whatever is coming up. So what are you planning for that? Like it really gives you a chance to sort of get more in depth with, your characters and like their motivations and things like that, which can be very cool. Right. I, I like that. There's a little bit of everything. It's a good buffet of a setting. So uh, that, that's my big thing. Uh, any gripes, any concerns? Well, I mean, it definitely knows its audience. Like the guys who are using old school essentials, they're, you know, they're more interested in the math and the lore. So, there's not a lot of like included art or maps or anything like that. It's more like you said, like a reference guide. So it's like an encyclopedia of this town rather than an atlas of it. It is. I, I would have liked to see a lot more art um, just as far as products go. And I love Chris. I, I think he's spectacular. But I think if he were to revise this and pay a little more attention to some layout and god even go down the ai art rabbit hole a little bit if commissioning the artist is an issue um it's tough to sell a supplement now in any format and and this right. isn't a dig on the content no. the content is good but it's tough Absolutely. to sell a supplement in any format that has no or limited art uh, and and Again, we're not saying he has no art. He has limited art. Who cares? It, it's something there. I think right. a little more polish, a little more um, layout and art choices, and we could see a lot more sales on the evil beast of, of drive through Here's my sort of final word on it. Um, do I see myself running a campaign in this setting? No. But... That's not how I view this supplement, right? I view this supplement as sort of like imagination fodder. This right. is, when I was reading through, I could see, oh, this is going to go here, and this is going to go here, and this is going to go here. I'm never going to take my party to Broomhaven, Braunhaven, 
Ron, see, I told you I would do it. <laughs> you did. Yeah, uh, I mean, for me, it's, um, you know, we got a mixed bag group with with the players that are on our table now. Can I see them, you know, jumping wholeheartedly into OSE? No. Can I see us using some of the things in this book in other ways? Oh, I definitely can. And There's a lot of really cool ideas here. That's the beauty of this, of this supplement, right? It is total imagination fuel for your campaign. You may not ever have a party ju- jumping into OSE, first of all, or even going into the town of Braunhaven, but you're going to pull so many good things. So many good things. Not only when it comes to location, lore inspiration, thoughts about certain interactions and certain mechanics, and, uh, you know, it's designed for OSE, but those concepts and those ideas apply across the board so um if you go into it with that approach i think it could be a very valuable supplement um right i I mean just reading through it got me thinking about some of my own adventures and campaigns and i'm like oh i never thought about you know you know what what the type of floor is You, you always think about you know the fauna and the hazards that players can run into but you don't really think about the flora and where it grows, unless it's a story element. Right. Like, there's not a sort of a general idea of like, oh, yeah, okay, so on this mountainside, there are red flowers because. But like this actually gives you some of that stuff. And there's some things in there that I definitely am going to make use of for my next campaign. Yeah. No, I, I think it's good stuff. It's it's 10 bucks on the evil drive through. Uh, pick it up, the Brawnhaven campaign setting. If you think some of those bits and pieces are going to work for you, or if you are running something in OSE, uh, it, it's completely fleshed out for you, and there's other supplements to, to follow it up to that you can check out. Uh, Chris Wilson, Christopher Wilson, our good friend, and uh, excellent, excellent little product. Uh, I think a little spit and polish and a revised edition could really come out of nowhere as a sleeper so oh boy we didn't think we were gonna even fill the hour bert (laughs) yeah and here we are a little over here we are over it always happens that way uh i better do the stuffs right because it is time and first and foremost uh we want you to follow the ladies on twitter at nerdcognito you can also make sure that you are subscribed at the podcast provider of your choice That's really the key. It guarantees that our episode downloads straight to your device as soon as it drops, and it allows you to not miss a single episode of Nerd Cognito. So wherever it may be, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, pick your poison. If it is a podcast provider, we're we're there. So we're, we're on them all. Make sure that you are subscribed, and that will... Get us to you. We are probably long. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess it's time to to go home, Bert. Yeah, fair enough. uh, That's it for another week, I guess. That is, that is. You know, um, we thank you so very, very, very much for tuning in and listening to us. We will talk at you next week. Be safe out there, everybody.